0: friend.
1: It is Friday and it's April Fool's Day. Oh, my goodness. I didn't even know that. Yes, it is. But I used to uh, tease Tanner and say, Tanner, I'm pregnant again. Wow! <laughs> On April Fool's yeah. Day? Yeah. How long did he fall for that? Just maybe once or twice. And then he said, lie. I said, yeah. Was it ever true? Any no. of the times? Okay. No. I had to think for a minute when those kids are born. No. But anytime, anything... We got to have a meeting. Oh, you're going to have another one? How hateful. I mean, well, I mean, there was only three other pregnancies after him. Well, <laughs> now that I say that. That's
0: more than enough, probably, for yeah. him.
1: Yeah. Again? Whatever. So, you know. You just let that go, I guess. How are you doing? I'm blessed beyond measure. How about you? Same. Beautiful same. day here. It really is. It's a gorgeous day today. and I
0: just have a... I don't know. I got a lot of love in my heart today.
1: Yeah, me too. It's just
0: pure love. Not that I'm normally a hateful person. No, but you're not. That... You just have
1: a warmth. I do have warmth today. Yeah. I don't know why. Well, and the, the day is beautiful here. It hasn't... Become the heat from the you know, I know. We could say a lot of words right yeah. there. Yeah. So it's we're just in a nice s- one today. It's a nice day, yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: So anyway. Alright. Well did you want to chat about anything before we get started? Um no. Nothing on your mind?
1: No, nothing on my mind. I,
0: I would imagine some people are like, Thank goodness, I because know. it's usually a twenty minute chat. Just skip to episode two because I episode
1: know. one is chit chat. Yeah, we've had them before. Yeah, we have. It's all right. All right, do you want to start us some prayer? Sure. Okay. Father God, we gather here today under your care and protection. Thank you for your loving kindness that never fails us. We thank you for those with us, that you would guide our thoughts and actions to bring you glory. Strengthen us and fill us with your peace. May we love and serve each other as Jesus has shown us. Fill us with the Holy Spirit to do your good work on earth. Amen. Amen. All right. Okay,
0: so we are going to be talking about 2 Samuel chapters 8 through 14. And let's do a recap of chapters 6 and 7. King David ordered the Ark of the Covenant be moved back to Israel because it had been gone for 20 years. Yeah. Uzzah was struck dead by the Lord when he touched the leaning ark. David's wife, Michael, was not pleased with her husband's shouts of joy as the ark entered the city of David. Uh, the Lord spoke to the prophet Nathan, who then passed along that conversation to David. And David's prayer of thanks before the Lord. That was, just, that was beautiful, that, yes. that prayer.
1: Was there anything else you wanted to touch upon? No, that sounded like a movie. didn't it like these are the this is what happened yeah listen to this (laughs) (laughs) you put it so well always well thank you yes
0: okay so let's move on um second samuel chapter eight verses one through eighteen now the intro to this section amy in our bible um uh, I'm just going to read that real quick. Okay. God gave David and the armies of Israel swift victory over the nations that were threatening Israel. Under David's leadership the nation was finally completing the mission that God had given them centuries earlier to possess the land he had promised them by driving out the Canaanite nations. So that kind of gives us a glimpse um as to where we are, okay, in the timeline of everything. All right. Uh, So David and his soldiers defeated several enemies, including the Philistines, the Aramaeans, and the Edomites in these verses. Yes. Did you have any notes for, for this part? Yes.
1: Part of God's covenant with David included the promise that the Israelites' enemies would be defeated and would no longer oppress them. God fulfilled this promise by helping David defeat the opposing nations. Several enemies are listed in this chapter. The Moabites, descendants of Lot, who lived east of the Dead Sea. They posed a constant military and religious threat to Israel. David seemed to have a good relationship with the Moabites at one time. David's great-grandmother Ruth had been from Moab. King Hadadezer of Zobah... His defeat at David's hands fulfilled God's promise to Abraham that Israel would control the land as far as the north as the Euphrates River. The Edomites' descendants of Esau were also archenemies of Israel.
0: Um, anything else for that part? Uh, I don't have anything else. You know what? I think I had a note or so. Okay. Uh, King David's reign was characterized by doing what was just and right. David was fair in interpreting the law, administering punishment with mercy, respecting people's rights, and recognizing people's duty toward God. Is it any wonder that almost everyone trusted and followed David? Why was it good for David to pursue justice? One, it was God's command and in keeping with his character— God's laws were meant to establish a just society. Two, it was in the nation's best interest because times would arise when each individual would need justice. Justice should characterize the way you relate to people. Make sure you are fair in the way you treat them. Mm. Yes. And that's about all I had for there. Yes, me too. Okay. The parallel verse is... Is in first Chronicles chapter eighteen verses one through seventeen. I found that to be about the same. How about you?
1: Yes, about the same. Okay, were there any notes you wanted to touch upon? I have one here. David was a victorious and fair ruler. We see in David's glowing success a hint of what Christ's reign will be like. Complete victory and justice. If David's glory was great, how much greater will Christ's glory be? The great news for us is that we can be rightly related to Jesus Christ through faith. One day we will share in his glory as we reign with him. I have one more at the end of a note. It says, what has God given you? Dedicate all your gifts and resources to him and use them for his service. He will lead you in the method you should use. The first step is to be willing. The second step is to follow up on your willingness with action.
0: Now, when they say dedicate all your gifts and resources to him and use them for his service, how do you
1: interpret that? I interpret that as, number one, tithing. You -hmm. should give 10%. I mean, that's just what he says. It doesn't mean go live on the street, you know. Sure. And then I think of your gifts, and I would call that my resources, too, or... Your gifts, like whatever you're good at, Mm -hmm. um, or pray about it, what he wants you to do. But he should be your first thought, and you should be his vessel, you know, here, um, to be like Christ, show people how Christ is. Um, That's how I look at it. Be sure you're on the road of bringing him glory. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are confused, like you
0: said, pray about it. Because he—if you are praying with an earnest heart, with, with an open heart and honesty—he'll show you. Yes.
1: And the gift of giving and using your talents to to bless other people—you get more out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a joy to do. Yeah. Yeah. So. Anything else for there, Amy? Um, I have the list of battles in this chapter shows how God gave David victory after victory. Unbelieving people think that victory comes from their own skill plus a little luck. Just as David acknowledged God's role in his success, so should we. Don't take credit for the work God does. Because it's not you. No, it isn't. It's not us. Um, if you if you raise up good children, well, you didn't raise them up. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. yeah. You can pray for them and pray, but it's by the grace of God that we don't deserve that those people came, became good adults. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Okay, so moving on
0: to Psalm sixty, because we're moving chronologically. The author is David. And the theme is real help comes from God alone. When a situation seems out of control, we can trust God to do mighty things. Now, um, were there any verses in there that you
1: you see. wanted to pick out that you really liked? Let me find. I have number six. God has promised this by his holiness. I will divide up Shechem with joy. I will measure out the valley of Succoth jilead is mine and manessa too ephraim my helmet will produce my warriors and judah judah my scepter will produce my kings i just loved that yeah like he's just laying it out yeah yeah how about you uh, I I liked verses ten through twelve. Okay. Have you
0: rejected us, O God? Will you no longer march with our armies? Oh, please help us against our enemies. For all human help is useless. With God's help, we will do mighty things. For He will trample down our foes. Beautiful. Yeah. So He realizes because He's He hasn't gone towards that spiral down yet. Yes. So He's still really tight with God. Yeah. And understands that it is with God's help that, you know, they're defeating all of these enemies. Yeah. And he understands that, like it says here, that human help is useless.
1: Mm. So good. Yeah. Any notes for there? God said the cities and territories of Israel were his, and he knew the future of each of the nations. When the world seems out of control, we must remind ourselves that God owns the cities and knows the future of every nation. God is in control. With God's help, we will gain the victory. I have one more. Sure. David mentioned the enemy nations that surrounded Israel. Moab lay directly to the east, Edom to the south, and Philistia to the west. At the time of this at the time this psalm was written, David was fighting Aram to the north, although he was surrounded by enemies. David remembered that God had promised triumph over those nations. He knew that Israel's future was closely tied to God's reputation of keeping his promises. Um, I just have one little sentence that was in the note.
0: The closer we get to God, the more our enemies will attack us because we threaten their evil and selfish way of living. And that's not the first time we've we've read something no. like that. But it's always good to, to remember that.
1: Yeah, and when you're getting closer to God, He's the devil's going to attack you more than anything. He doesn't want to lose you. Yeah. And if it's not of Christ, if you're not on Christ's side, well, there's only one other side. Yeah. So... You know, just rebuke him. Say, um, get thee behind me. Just, I mean, you don't have to say much. Mm-hmm. You'll notice it too. You sure will. The, the stronger your faith becomes and like maybe the more you're reading the Bible, you'll see it. Yeah. And we have to remember that the devil does not know the future. Only God does. But what the devil does is he can um, predict it. Because he'll say, "Okay, well, Amy goes. Amy does this, or um, Amy. This is what really gets to her. So we can assume that in three days, this is going to happen. Mm. But he does not have the knowledge of the future. But again, he can predict predict it. So you know, just just always be with him. Even just talk to him during the day. I do. Do you? Yeah." Yeah. I'm like, Lord, just, you know, whatever. Yeah. Or I go by someone, praise, you know, I don't know. But we have to remember that. Yeah.
0: A lot of the times, um, it's it's during the, the quiet moments.
1: Oh, is it?
0: Now, sometimes it, it'll be late at night, if I'm cleaning or I'm doing something. That's Sometimes I'll kind of talk to myself a little bit, but... Uh, But during the day, if I just have a little bit of quiet time, maybe I close
1: my eyes a little bit, it'll just, I'll start to pray. Okay. All right. I thought you were saying the devil attacks you at night. Well, you know what? It's, I have more negative thoughts at night. And why, why do we? I don't know. Maybe because we're tired and we're more vulnerable. Maybe. And we're not like on, on it.
0: But see, I'm the opposite though. Like, like I've said before, like during the day, yeah. especially in the morning, I'm just like, <laughs> so, and, and I'm up at night. Like I'm going at night. Yeah. But I still feel uh, I have more negative thoughts at night.
1: Yeah. I do too. That's when it gets me. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you, hundred percent. Hmm. Yes. And maybe the devil knows that. Oh, yeah. See, he predicts yeah. by our actions what we've done. You know, the, these days he's sitting there and saying, okay, I want you to, this is it. Yeah. He's like, oh, it's 1 a.m. Yeah. You better Let's get go get her. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. Did, did you have anything else for Psalm no, 60? No, that's it. Okay, so second Samuel chapter nine verses one through thirteen and Amy, would you mind reading uh
1: verse one, please? Yes, one day David asked, "Is anyone in Saul's family still alive Anyone to whom I can show kindness for Jonah's sake for Jonathan's sake okay, yes, sorry, not Jonah. <laughs> Which is so sweet that he hasn't
0: forgotten his dear friend. Yeah. And he still wants to make right by him, even though Jonathan's
1: gone. Yes. I loved it. It was just beautiful.
0: And so uh, a servant of Saul's told David that one of Jonathan's sons, Mephibosheth, was alive and he was summoned to visit David. And in... Second Samuel chapter 9, verse 7, it says, Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. I just
1: love that. I know. Like, he was going in there a little bit worried. Oh, yeah. And then here this grace is just poured over him.
0: Yeah. And he, he was handicapped, I yeah, believe. both feet, I believe. If, yeah, he yeah. had a physical handicap. Yep. Yeah. I'm sorry, I have a trouble with this name. Mm-hmm. Mephibosheth was also given farmland, food, and servants. So he was going to be taken care of oh, for the yeah. rest of his life.
1: How wonderful. Yeah. How um, any notes for that part? I do. Um, most uh, most kings in David's day tried to wipe out the families of their rivals in order to prevent any descendants from seeking the throne. But David showed kindness to Mephibosheth. Oh, you got it out so good mm. <laughs> <laughs> who who Whose father was Jonathan and whose grandfather was King Saul. David was kind, partly because of his loyalty to God God's previously anointed king. Partly for political reasons to unite Judah and Israel, and mainly because of his vow to show kindness to all of Jonathan's descendants, how Mephibosheth became crippled is recorded in 2 Samuel 4. 4 Mephibosheth was five years old when Saul and Jonathan died, so he was just very young. Yeah,
0: he was a young young boy.
1: Yeah, um, I do have another one. Sure. Mephibosheth was afraid to visit the king, who wanted to treat him like a prince. Although Mephibosheth feared for his life and may have felt unworthy, that didn't mean he should refuse David's gifts. When God graciously offers us forgiveness of sins and a place in heaven, we may feel unworthy, but we will receive these gifts if we accept him. A reception even warmer than the one David gave Mephibosheth awaits for all who receive God's gift through trusting Jesus Christ, not because we deserve it, but because of God's promise. Oh, and you know
0: what? I looked up that verse that they put next to it. Oh, you did? I did, because I I wasn't familiar with it. Okay. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith, and this is not from yourselves it is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast
1: mm-hmm. there's a saying that says by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone mm. or something you know it's the three mm-hmm. that's how if you believe that and you live your life that's I've got to look at that go ahead yeah It's by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Okay. So, by grace, He saved us. Our faith, through our faith, we believe that. And Christ, only in Christ did we get saved. Yeah. Okay. Thank you for sharing that. Okay. I'm sorry. No. All right. Was there anything else in chapter 9 that you wanted to go over? Um. I have one more. Okay. His treatment of Mephibosheth shows David's integrity as a leader who accepted his obligation to show love and mercy. His generous generous provision for Jonathan's son goes beyond any political benefit he might have received. Are we able to forgive those who wronged us? Can we be generous to those less deserving? Each time we show compassion, our character is strengthened. So it is our obligation to show love and mercy.
0: Yeah. Anything else, Frank? That's it. Okay, Second Samuel chapter ten verses one through nineteen. David sent ambassadors to show respect for the recently deceased King Nahash of the Ammonites. The Ammonite leaders, including the newly crowned King Hanun, we were weary of this visit and amy would you
1: mind reading chapter 10 verse 4 so hanun seized david's ambassadors and shaved off half of each man's beard cut off their robes and the buttock cut off their robes and the buttocks and sent them back to david in shame hmm. That's horrible, but I just wondered
0: I was thinking about this last night. I wonder um, like what the diplomatic rules were, right for these ambassadors because you would think at some point they would say, please don't do that. Yeah, like we don't we don't like this. right. But maybe that would have been very disrespectful to David. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, So maybe they were just like, okay, whatever happens, we're just going to have to take it, and then we'll go back and, and, and deal with it. And deal with it, Do You yeah. think
1: that's what it is? I do. I think that, yeah. Like, they didn't bring the head of... They didn't take, send back the heads of these people, but it had meaning. Yeah. 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 I agree. Yep. Yeah. Because maybe if they
0: started a fight with them, or... You like, started a war, yeah. it would have been disrespectful to David. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They knew their place. Thank you. Yeah. Instead of me rambling for no. ten minutes, <laughs> there it is. They knew their place. They knew their place. <laughs> yeah. There we are. Um, and then the Ammonites hired Aramaean soldiers to assist them in battle against the Israelites, but they were still defeated. Yep. Any notes for there?
1: Yes. And in Israelite culture... All men wore full beards. It was a sign of maturity and authority. To be forcibly shaven was embarrassing enough, but these men were also left half naked. Hunan's actions humiliated these men and insulted Israel. Um, because Hunan- Hun- Hanun listened to the wrong advice, he suspected the motives of the ambassadors and humiliated them. Then he realized that David was angry and immediately marshaled his forces for battle. Hanun should have thought through the advice more carefully, but even if he had not, he should have tried to negotiate with David. Instead, he refused to admit any fault and got ready for war. Often we respond angrily and defensively, Rather than admitting our mistakes, apologizing, and trying to defuse the other person's anger, instead of fighting, we should seek peace. That must have been,
0: like it says here, it must have been horribly embarrassing for those
1: men. Yeah. Yet, like you said, they didn't fight. They just went back and, like, gracefully. Yeah. Yeah. Now, tell me if I'm wrong here, but it's kind of the opposite of what happened
0: to David. Because remember um with David he had like the opportunity to to kill Saul yes. and, and the pe- and the people with him were like, you know, do it. Here's your opportunity, but he chose not to. No. Here King Hanun gave in to that. Yeah. Because people around him were saying, This is a trap.
1: Yeah. Do it. It's a trap. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, anything else? Um, it says there must be a balance In life, between our actions and our faith in God. Job said, let us fight bravely. In other words, they should do what they could, using their minds to figure out the best techniques and using their resources. But he also said, may the Lord's will be done. He knew that the outcome was in God's hands. We should use our minds and our resources to obey God while at the same time trusting God for the outcome. And I just think of, you know, when you end a prayer, well, I this is, I always say, let your will be done. Whatever that is, and I don't know, I think it shows in us, uh, like, we know He's in charge. He's our King, like, He's our King. Yeah. yeah. We're all part of a royal family of the Lord, you know. Yeah. Just let your will be done if I'm not asking the right way. You know, just let your will be done. Yeah. I think it's just being humble. That's it. Yeah. That's the word. Yes. Good thing we can finish each other's sentences. It, it works not, out nice. It really does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> I tell you. But I, I really like that. It was a good one.
0: Well, then moving on to the parallel verse, First Chronicles 19 chapters 1 through 19
1: I found that to pretty much be the same. How about you? I did. Okay. I found it to be, you know, good. Yeah. Okay. Did Were there any notes there you wanted? I did. Okay. On two to one, 1 Chronicles 19, 2-3, Hanun misread David's intentions. He was overly suspicious and brought disaster upon himself. Because of past experiences, it is easy to be overly suspicious of others questioning every move and second-guessing their motives. While we should be cautious and wise as we deal with people, we should not assume their every action is ill-intended. Ill That's not a good way to live. No, always being mad. Yeah. yeah, mad and
0: suspicious. I mean, sure, there are bad people out there. Yeah. You can't be oblivious to
1: it. No, but it's not everybody. No, it's not. It's not everyone and... We should assume everyone's good. Yeah. You know, and if they aren't, well we did our best. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. That was my note. Okay. So moving to
0: Second Samuel chapter eleven, verses one through thirteen. Here's where we
1: get into Bathsheba. Here she is. <laughs> <laughs> Here she is in all her glory.
0: Now King David noticed a beautiful woman while taking a walk on the roof of his palace. He was told by one of his messengers her name was Bathsheba and she was married to a man named Uriah. David sent for her. They had relations and she became pregnant.
1: (laughs) It's just, you know, like, put a stop sign somewhere. (laughs) Where? (laughs) Well, when he looked over there, which, said... The thing is, is he was supposed to be in battle. He was. And instead of going with that troop, here he has idle time. A man with idle time is going to get in trouble. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's been said and said like it says, men should go to sleep exhausted. That's how it's meant to be. They probably don't want to hear this, but... When he got his eye over there, he should have said, I'm going to get on my horse and go meet Hoo-Ha for the battle. That's what I think. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. He forgot about the Lord. Do you hear anything in here saying, well, then he saw it and he went to the Lord, and he didn't pray? No. That's a good point. Yeah, he, he didn't do anything. He wanted to be naughty. Mission, then it mission all, accomplished. Yeah, and here goes a... A ball of poo, <laughs> because it's just going to get bigger and bigger. It's a big snowball of poo. It is a snowball of poop that stinks. Yeah, I'm telling you. Uh, oh. Did you have notes for that for that part? Yes, in the episode with Bathsheba, David allowed himself to fall deeper and deeper into sin. <laughs> David, just the way you read it. David abandoned his purpose by staying home from war. He focused on his own desires. When the temptation came, he looked into it instead of turning away from it. He sinned deliberately. He tried to cover up his sin by deceiving others. He committed murder to continue the cover-up. Eventually, David's sin was exposed and punished. The consequences of David's sin were far-reaching, affecting many others. David could have chosen to stop and turn from evil at any stage along the way. But once sin gets started, it is difficult to stop. The deeper the mess, the less we want to admit having caused it. It's much easier to stop sliding down a hill when you are near the top than when you are halfway down. The best solution is to stop sin before it starts. I love when it says, It's much easier to stop sliding down a hill when you're near the top. Yeah. Than halfway down. I'm going to use that with my kids. That's a good one. And they're going to say, I don't know what you're talking about. Just say it. Did you have any other notes for that part? Um, It says to flee temptation... Ask God in earnest prayer to help you stay away from people, places, and situations that may tempt you. Memorize and meditate on portions of scripture that combat your specific weaknesses. At the root of most temptations is a real need or desire that God can feel, but we must trust in his timing. Find another believer with whom you can openly share your struggles and call this person for Help when temptation strikes. That's good advice. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Because
0: we all deal with temptations. Oh, all sorts of different forever and ever we will. Yeah. The parallel verse is First Chronicles chapter twenty verse one. Jerusalem, while his soldiers went out to war, it doesn't have anything regarding Bathsheba, Mm. which is really interesting. And I think we've brought it up before, (laughs) but different books of the Bible. You know, they're written by different people, and sometimes they're meant for different groups of people. Yeah. So
1: it may be themed a little differently. Um,
0: Did you have notes for here?
1: Yes, I have too. David's adultery occurred at this time while he remained in Jerusalem instead of going to battle. This story may have been excluded from first chronicles because of the book was written to focus on God's long-term interest in Israel and on the temple as a symbol of God's presence among them. The story of David and Bathsheba did not fit this purpose. The story of Absalom's rebellion rebellion kings went to battle, went out to battle following the spring harvest. At this time farm work Eased off, and the armies could live off the land. During the winter, they plotted and planned future conquests. Then, when fair weather permitted, the arm, their armies went to war. But David ignored this opportunity. He stayed home and sent Joab out to lead the army. It was during this time of inactivity that he sinned with Bathsheba. Looking for the springs in your life, the times when God wants you to respond, take the initiative, And move out to do His will. It is during these critical times that we may be most sensitive to temptation. Resolve to take action. God has prescribed. Don't give temptation a foothold in your activity. Yeah, I like that. Looking for the springs in your life.
0: Yeah. You know where we notice a lot of um, the differences is in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, cause those are prime examples of and when we get to it it'll be fascinating to read it like that because you know I've never know. read it chronologically where we'll have Matthew Mark Luke and John kind of intertwined yes that'll be neat that will be very yeah yeah anything else for that uh, First Chronicles no okay moving on to Second Samuel chapter eleven verses fourteen through twenty seven. David set up Uriah's death on the battlefield by instructing Joab to place him in the fiercest front lines. I mean, this is taking it to a whole different oh. level. I mean, he's... he's Yeah, he's going to murder. I mean, it was bad enough with being with Bathsheba, but now, my goodness. Yeah, here's the second layer. Okay, Amy, would you mind reading 2 Samuel 1? Uh, chapter 11 verses 26 through 27 please
1: sure when uriah's wife heard that her husband was dead she mourned for him when the period of mourning was over david sent for her and brought her to the palace and she became one of his wives then she gave birth to a son but the lord was disple- displeased with what david had done do we know how many wives he had um i think it's right here isn't it What oh, did it say it looks like five at this time. My goodness, okay. Yeah.
0: I wonder how often they interacted with
1: each other. Did the wives interact? I know. You wonder.
0: Yeah, I'm just wondering about the dynamics of all of it.
1: Yeah. Hmm.
0: I appreciate you looking of that course. up. Thank you. Yes. Remember when in the, in the last session where you had pointed out that uh, Michael wasn't called Michael in one of the verses... She was called daughter of Saul. Yeah. Same here. She's called Uriah's wife and not Bathsheba. Wow. Which was you interesting. Wonder. Yeah. Yeah. Because I th- maybe
1: they wanted to really bring home the point that it it was Uriah's wife and and those two caused him to sin. Mm-hmm. You know. Yes. So maybe that's why. Yeah. Good. Like point. he's bringing in. Things that aren't going to keep him on the right path. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good point. Anything for there? I do. I said, um, or it says, David put both Bathsheba and Joab in different cult situations. Bathsheba knew it was wrong to commit adultery, but to refuse a king's request could mean punishment or death. Joab did not know why Uriah had to die. But it was obvious the king wanted him killed. We sometimes face situations with only two apparent choices and both seem wrong. When that happens, we must not lose sight of what God wants. The answer may be to seek out more choices. By doing this, we are likely to find a choice that honors God. And then I have um, David's response to Uriah's death seemed flippant and insensitive. While he grieved deeply for Saul and Abner his rivals he showed no grief for Uriah a good man with strong spiritual character why David had become callous to his own sin the only way he could cover up his first sin adultery was to sin again and soon be no longer and soon he no longer felt guilty for what he had done feelings are not reliable guides for determining right and wrong Deliberate, repeated sinning had dulled David's sensitivity to God's laws and other rights. The more you try to cover up sin, the more insensitive you become toward it. Don't become hearted to sin as David did. Confess your wrong actions to God before you forget their sins. Here we go with feelings
0: again. Yes,
1: not facts, Mm. the two F's, (laughs) but don't base it on feelings, base it on facts, you know? Yeah. Anything else? That's it. Okay.
0: Second Samuel chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. In part, it says, so the Lord's, uh, verse 1 says in part, so the Lord sent Nathan the prophet to tell David this story. And it was the story of the rich man and the poor man, and the rich man didn't want to kill any animals from his flock, so he took the poor man's lamb, who meant so much to him. Nathan wanted David to understand that he was, the rich man in the story because he didn't see it
1: no and would you mind reading verses 7 through 10 please sure then nathan, nathan said to david you are that man the lord the god of israel says i anointed you king of israel and saved you from the power of saul i gave you your master's house and his wives and the kingdoms of israel and judah and if that not had not been enough I would have given you so much, much more. Given you much, much more. Why then have you despised the word of the Lord and done this horrible deed? For you have murdered Uriah the Hittite with the sword of the Ammonites and stolen his wife. From this time on, your family will live by the sword because you have despised me by taking Uriah's wife to be your own. Cause he kind of did a one eighty. Yeah, he did, and now he's like, he's not gonna be able to build the temple. Yes, you know the whole bit. Yeah. Any notes for there? I do. The predictions in these verses became true because David because David's mur, David murdered Uriah and stole his wife. Murder was a constant threat in his family. His household rebelled against him. And his wives were given to another in public view. Further, his first child by Bathsheba died. If David had known the painful consequences of his sin, he might not have pursued the pleasures of the moment. Mm. Well, shoot. Oh. I, and we hadn't read that part, but yeah. Yeah, I that's have, coming up. But yeah, I apologize. No, it's okay. Yeah. So, there it is. And did you have any other notes? I have one more. It was a year later, and by then, David had become so insensitive to his own sins that he didn't realize he was the villain in Nathan's story. The qualities we condemn in others are often our own character character flaws. Which friends, associates, or family members do you find easy to criticize and hard to accept? Instead, Instead of trying to change them, ask God to help you understand their feelings and see your own flaws more clearly. You may discover that in condemning others, you have been condemning yourself. That's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: That one made me think a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, this uh, they all make me think, but I was like, huh. Yeah. The qualities we condemn in others are often our own character flaws. Yeah. Like,
1: I was really thinking that one through. I know. It's true. They say, you know, what you don't like in someone else, it's a mirror. Yeah. Anything else, Amy? No, nothing in that. Moving to Psalm 51, David
0: is the author, and the theme is David's plea for mercy, forgiveness, and cleansing. God wants our hearts to be right with him. And here, David's coming clean to the Lord. It's very heartfelt. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, Was there
1: anything that you wanted to pluck out of there, or any notes? I have some notes. It says, David's confession has helped people examine excuses, half-hearted repentance, and lack of sorrow over sin that can keep them from experiencing pardon. David's words also demonstrate the place of hope with confession. Use this psalm as a starting point when dealing with a sense of distance or with guilt that is affecting your relationship with God. It will help you identify and rectify sin in your life through confession and repentance. Then I have, God can and will forgive you of any sin. While God forgives us, he does not always erase the natural consequences of our sin. David's life and family were never the same as a result of what he had done. In one of the notes, it says, "God can and will forgive you of any sin."
0: While God forgives us, He does not always erase the natural consequences of our sin. So, you're you'll be good with God. You know, if you go to him, humble, honest, He'll forgive the sin. But what happened on Earth? What happened here? You still have to deal with. Yeah, one hundred percent. That doesn't go away, no. Okay. Uh, anything else, Amy? Do you no, have any other notes for there? That's it. Second Samuel chapter twelve, verses thirteen through twenty-five. So if we let's, I had to kind of do the order of things again. So we David sinned. He was confronted by the prophet Nathan. He understood the nature of his sins. He poured his heart out to the Lord, and now he's confessing his guilt to Nathan. And in 2 Samuel 12, verses 13 and 14, Then David confessed to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. Nathan replied, Yes, but the Lord has forgiven you, and you won't die for this sin. Nevertheless, because you have shown utter contempt for the Lord by doing this, your child will die. And Dave, So David and Bathsheba's child died from a deadly illness. They had another child, Solomon, who the Lord loved. The Lord wanted the child named Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord.
1: That's so pretty. Yes. Anything for there? I said, um, I have, um, God's judgment was that this child would die. The consequences of David's sin were irreversible. Sometimes an apology isn't enough. When God forgives us and restores our relationship with him, he doesn't eliminate all the consequences of our wrongdoing. We may be tempted to say, if this, is, if this is wrong, I can always apologize to God. But we must remember that we may set into motion events with irreversible consequences. Why did this child have to die? This was not a judgment on the child for being conceived out of wedlock, but a judgment on David for his sin. David and Bathsheba deserved to die, but God spared their lives and took the child instead. God still had work for David to do in building the kingdom. The child's death was a horrible punishment for David and Bathsheba to bear. It is also possible that had the child lived, God's name would have been dishonored among Israel's pagan neighbors. What would they have thought of a God who rewards murder and adultery by giving a king a new heir? A baby's death is tragic, but despising God brings death to entire nations. While God readily forgave David's sin, he did not negate all its consequences. It's those ripples we always talk yes. about. You're so
0: right. Yep. And it, it said here that Solomon was the fourth son of David and Bathsheba. Therefore several years passed between the death of their first child and Solomon's birth.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Bathsheba may still have been grieving over the child's death. So they had several children together. Yeah. Hmm. Anything else? That's all I have. Moving to 2nd Samuel chapter 12 verses 26 through 31. Israel defeated Rabbah, the capital of Ammon. Lots of plunder was taken including the king's crown. That's all really I had for there. Were there any notes you wanted to go over? Let
1: us see. No, I don't have any notes.
0: Okay, and then the parallel verse is 1 Chronicles chapter 20, verses 2 and 3. And there wasn't as much detail regarding the battle, but it does include the plunder that was taken. Yes. Anything you wanted to go over there? No. 2 Samuel chapter 13, verses 1 through 22. Now, this is a horrible story. Mm. My gosh. Now, I had to do another little chart yeah. to get everyone straight. So, David has a son, Absalom, and a daughter, Tamar. So, they're brother and sister. Yes. Tamar's half brother is Amnon. He fell head over heels in love with Tamar. Amnon's cousin was Jonadab, and he helped Amnon devise a plan to get with Tamar. So, just so we get all the people straight. Yes. Amnon tricked Tamar. And ended up raping her. And then basically threw her aside. Yeah. Tamar's brother Absalom found out and told his sister to keep quiet for now and not worry about it. King David was very angry and Absalom deeply hated
1: Amnon. Did you have anything uh, for there? I do have some stuff on Amnon. Okay. Um, David was an ineffective father to him. He failed to train or discipline his children. Although he found out and was furious about Amnon's actions, he did nothing. Amnon, like the rest of his siblings, was a child out of control. He was frustrated when he couldn't have his way, yet was disgusted when he did get his way. Without direction, his actions led to self-destruction. The Bible records not even a hint of remorse for what he had done to Tamar. Family relationships can be sources of strength or systems of dysfunction. And um, he his weaknesses was he allowed lustful desires to dominate his life, listened to his cousin for bad advice, raped, and then rejected his half-sister Tamar. So, now I have a note. Yeah. It says love is patient lust requires immediate satisfaction love is kind lust is harsh love does not me- demand its own way lust does you can read about the characteristics of real love in first corinthians 13. lust may feel like love at first but when physically expressed it results in self-disgust and hatred for the other person if you just can't wait what you feel is not truly love. Mm. Boy, that's good. That is really good.
0: Yep. Was there anything else there that you want to go
1: over? No. Second Samuel
0: chapter 13 verses 23 through 39. Absalom invited all of King David's sons to a feast two years later. King David was unable to attend. Absalom instructed his men to kill Amnon when he became intoxicated and they did. The remaining brothers at the feast fled, and word got back to King David that Absalom killed all his siblings, which devastated David. But he was somewhat relieved to learn that this information was erroneous, and Amnon was the the one killed. David still mourned the death of his son, and Absalom fled town to stay with his grandfather. Mm -hmm. So, Absalom just bided his time until he could, he could get his revenge. Yep. He wasn't going to let it go. Nope. And then would you mind reading verses
1: 38 and 39, please? He stayed there in Geshur for three years, and King David, now reconciled to Amnon's death, longed to be reunited with his son Absalom. So he wanted to, to make peace. Yeah, he did. Any notes for there? Yes, I have... Um, Absalom fled to Geshur because King Talmai was his grandfather, and he would be welcomed. 2 Samuel chapter 14 verses 1 through 24.
0: Joab, King David's military commander, saw how much he missed his son Absalom. So Joab made an arrangement with a woman to visit the king and pretend she was mourning for loved ones and looking for justice. And this was said during the conversation in verses 13 and 14. She replied, Why don't you do as much for the people of God as you have promised to do for me? You have convicted yourself of making this decision because you have refused to bring home your own banished son. All of us must die eventually. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him.
1: That was so lovely.
0: That was the part I highlighted. Me too. for Me too. Our lives are like water spilled out on the ground, which cannot be gathered up again. But God does not just sweep life away. Instead, he devises ways to bring us back when we have been separated from him.
1: Wow.
0: Ah, it's just beautiful. King David asked the woman if Joab sent the woman to visit him, and she told him the truth. King David asked Job to bring Absalom back, back to his own house so that kind of was the prompter that that was able to get him on track yes
1: any notes for there i said um why is so much attention given to absalom in second samuel thirteen nineteen? his revenge against amnon and rebellion against david were beginning the final decline of david's kingdom that had been prophesied in second samuel 12 10 through 12 The cycle of lust and murder had begun with David's adultery with Bathsheba. By killing his half-brother, Amnon, Absalom, was getting revenge for the rape of his sister Tamar, as well as getting rid of the firstborn son, the one next in line to be king. Clearly, he had sights set on being Israel's king, and he did everything in his power to obtain that goal, killing a half-brother and rebelling against his father. Absalom was handsome and popular like his father, but he lacked his father's heart for God. What can we learn from this terrible story? Even the highest ranking and best equipped people are sinners and, rebe- and, and rebels at heart. I'm sorry. It's okay. We must guard our own hearts against sin and rebellion. David failed to teach his children God's ways. Even if our children are raised in church, we must teach and exemplify character and obedience to God. David was preoccupied with government wives and concubines. He failed to act decisively to correct the evil in his family. At times, his guilt over his own sin caused him to de- to decline to discipline his sons caught in similar sins. That proved to be his family's undoing. Whenever possible, we must break cycles of lust, hatred, and rebellion. To do so, we must stay involved in guiding our children's lives while they are still under our care. It's very important. Yes, it is. You know, and I'm sure each of us have things, for me anyway, in my childhood and life that I was, it, the, the chain had stopped. The road had stopped. And I'm not going to take that on to my kids. And hopefully, maybe they see something in, in me and their father that, hey, I'm not going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. And they shouldn't be shunned, or how dare you say that that's that's growing, yeah, it's maturing, it's maturing, it's growing, it's everything, you know, anything else for that section that's
0: it, okay, and then our last section is second Samuel chapter fourteen verses twenty five through thirty three Absalom had been back in Jerusalem for two years. We learned he was very handsome, had three sons and one daughter named Tamar. Absalom wanted to send a message to his father, but became frustrated when Joab ignored his requests. He became so frustrated he set fire to Joab's fields. And would you mind reading verses 31 through 33, please?
1: Sure. Then Joab came to Absalom at his house and demanded, Why did your servant set my field on fire? And Absalom replied, Because I wanted you to ask the king why he brought me back from Gashar. If he didn't intend to see me, I might as well have stayed there. Let me see the king. If he finds me guilty of anything, then let him kill me. So Job told the king what Absalom had said. Then at last David summoned Absalom, who came and bowed low before the king, and the king kissed him. Well, I wonder why he waited two years. I don't know. Because he did bring him back. Yeah, he brought him back. Any notes for that part? Already, we can see the seeds of rebellion in Absalom. As an independent and scheming young man, he took matters into his own hands and killed his brother. Without his father or anyone else to keep him in check, he probably did whatever he wanted. As evidenced by his set setting, Job's as evidenced by his setting Job's field on fire to get his attention. Undoubtedly, his good looks also added to his self-centeredness. Children need discipline, especially those with natural abilities and beauty. Otherwise, like Absalom, they will grow up thinking they can do whatever they want, whenever they want. David only made half-hearted efforts to correct his children. He did not punish Amnon for his sin against Tamar, nor did he deal decisively with Absalom's murder of Amnon. Such indisip- indecisiveness became David's undoing. When we ignore sin, we experience greater pain than if we deal with it immediately.
0: Hmm.
1: Even him talking in these verses, he sounds like a little brat. Mm-hmm. Oh, you didn't get my dad. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Why didn't you, why did he bring me back here? He, and he's probably very frustrated
0: on yeah, top of that.
1: Exactly. Like, hey, come on. Yeah. Um, In this one part of the Absalom thing, it Uh says, A father's mistakes are often reflected in the lives of his children. Mm. You know, and it wasn't, God didn't intend for David to sin with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. Yet, he wants, just like he said, he couldn't let that child live because then it would, make God not be who he is yeah okay so he didn't want David to sin but being that David did he had to make that work for his good yeah you know just like he doesn't want someone to be an alcoholic yeah yet he's going to take that and use it somehow for good Mm -hmm. that's I just wanted to say that no that's
0: great yeah That's it. Was there anything else you wanted to talk about? Anything on your mind?
1: No, I can't think of anything. Okay. How about you? No. Nothing, huh? No, uh uh-uh. Yeah. I just have a lot of love in my heart. Me too. And these pups are very cute over here. Oh, my gosh. All three of them are just getting a big nap in.
0: When I, you know, when I edit and they're in the house, I can hear the ting, 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 <laughs> ting of the collars, and sometimes you can hear them. I'm like, oh my goodness. They're precious. I'd love to see a big moose walk by. Oh,
1: is that in this part of the world? Oh, because
0: no. we we have no moose in this area, but it would be really fun just to well, see a is. rogue moose.
1: Yeah, it really would. Go stand under them. They say <laughs> you can stand under them. Under a moose? Yeah, that they're that tall. That's what they try to tell me, and I say Lie. Come on. That's what they say. What? They say that they're, they're that tall. I don't believe that. That's like a dinosaur. Or a giraffe. Yeah, you could stand under a giraffe.
0: Right, that I believe, but I'd have to look that up. I yeah. don't know. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> I don't know. That's what I've been told. Because one time I thought I saw a moose in a tree and they never going to let me live it down. A moose. Little... Well, Amy. And it was a chicken's rear. The chicken was up behind. The chicken was. <laughs> Wait a minute. The chicken was turned around, so between the chicken and the branches, they turned around the RV, and said, "This is. We gotta see this one." And it was a chicken.
0: So you thought you saw a moose in a tree. I
1: did. I really did. But it was
0: actually a chicken camouflaged by the tree. <laughs>
1: I'm going to pee my pants. Yeah. Amy, that is ridiculous. I don't know why they thought a big deal of it, but, you know. How would the moose get... Well, if he has long legs, he (laughs) can just 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 climb up. up. (laughs) That's what they say, Robin. Moose go in trees. No, moose, you can walk under him. (sighs) All right. But you don't know. I I shouldn't to Uh, say anything because I've never seen a moose. No, me either. I want to pet their antlers though when they have fur on them. Okay. Aren't they pretty? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Let's give out some information. Mm -hmm. The email is basicbiblestudy19 at gmail.com facebook.com slash mybasicbiblestudy all the links are there. Um, All of the uh, chapters and verses we're reading during each session are listed there, and the website is mybasicbiblestudy.com. dot com. And uh, like we said last time, we started, you know, maybe asking if you're listening on iTunes, if you could, if if you wouldn't mind uh, leaving a, a rating and maybe leaving a comment that yeah. helps get get the podcast out to more people. Yes, we would appreciate that. So next time, Amy. Yes. We we don't have any parallel chapters.
1: Wow. Yeah. So
0: we have 2nd Samuel chapters 15 through 17, Psalm 3, Psalm 63, 2nd Samuel chapters 18 through 20, and then Psalm 7.
1: Wow. Okay. And then I
0: think we just have one more session after that and we'll be done with 2nd Samuel. Praise heaven Yeah. We're getting there. We sure are. All right. But that's it, everyone. Thank you for joining us. And I don't know if we will be back before Easter. Me
1: they're So happy Easter. Yes.
0: Praise God. Happy Easter. Yes. Take care. Thank you.